one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. And my name is Ashton. We're all back. We're all here. Hello. In the same room. Yeah. How are we doing today? Good. Great. Brilliant. As of the time of recording, I'm still without a flushing toilet. Yeah. Even though I was working from home last Friday when we recorded the big discussion, because I was waiting for a plumber, he's still not come. No. So still flushing the toilet with a bucket of water, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at least you don't have to like go elsewhere to use the toilet. Yeah, you do That's have true. a toilet. I do have a toilet I can toilet. use. And it's a just yeah. very inconvenient. <laughs> <And a bucket. laughs> you can always go in the bucket. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this is our video game podcast where each and every week we're sponsored by a very real video game itchy arm adjacent sponsor ashton i believe you have the ad read in front of you right now i do um obviously last week it was i was sent one but i had to send it on to you because i had head head plops yeah you had the head plops um but this week i've i've actually received a full pr package whoa um bit incognito they sent it to me on the on the dl yeah um you didn't tell us about no for a game i'm telling you now okay sorry for a game that's coming out next week Tuesday, to be specific. Um, you guys know when you were like in school and you'd get like those little heads that like you put crests in and they'd get like hair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. In America, they have a different name for that because they use a different kind of seed. They don't use crests. They use chia seeds mm-hmm. and they have right. a certain thing. Yes. So as a PR package for the game that's coming out next week, I was sent a Tachia pet. Tachia pet. For the game... Tachia. Is it pronounced Tachia? I think or it's just pronounced Chia. Chia. I think it's just Chia, but I wanted to, you know, not okay. just say the word. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's Chia that's coming out next week. And Chia they sent pets. me a Chia pet. A Chia pet. Yeah. How is it growing? Well, I only just got it. Oh, so like right, right now it's now. just a muddy a head with mud right. in it. And cool. eventually it will have nice green hair. Are you going to eat the cress? Well, the Chia? It's Chia. Probably not, because then I'll have to give his hair a trim. Can you play online games with your Chia pet um, and take it to the soup kitchen, perhaps, if it's not got enough food? Or what else did you used to do? You know on Neopets? Mm. Oh, right, no. no. I don't know on Neopets. No, you don't know on Neopets. No, no, but I was thinking Tamagotchi. Like, you have to give it food and play with well, it for half an thing, hour a day. Well, it's the same thing, basically. I used to play yeah. Club Chegwin. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Good Keith. one. 
Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's not real. No? They didn't oh. send me a, a oh. PR package. Well, I was looking forward to seeing that and potentially just plucking a few bits of cress and putting it on my sandwich that I don't eat. Chia, sorry. Do they, is it chia when it's fully grown as well? In America? They call it chia pet. They do, sorry. but I don't know if the, if yeah, if the leaf is a chia or... It's cress, water cress. They Do they actually that. call it a chia pet in yeah. America? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you would. I thought you knew that chia was coming out, and you were like, "I'm going to do a Neopets uh, pun." You thought it was a Neopets thing. Neopets I th- honestly pun. thought it was a Neopets thing. I knew it was about chia, yeah. but I thought you'd like combine chia with the heads thing because of chia and cress, mm. and then made it sound like Neopets. No. No. <laughs> The chia pet is a thing. In I did wonder why you both looked at me slightly blankly when I was making Neopets I comparisons. Did think you I were, was confused. I did yeah. think you were talking about Neopets, well, but I it works wasn't on, sure why. works on multiple <laughs> levels because yeah. it sounds like chia pets. It's deep. There's sort multiple of. layers. Like we're not sponsored deep. by chia pets uh, this week. We are, of course, sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you could submit questions to this podcast. Loads of other tiers available. Thank you to everyone who asked questions this week. Don't relent. Don't you dare relent, even mm. though... Is it Lent now or is Lent coming up? Or? Well, it's up to Easter, isn't it? Is, is it Lent? Has it started? Oh, yeah, it started on Pancake Day. Yeah. Oh, That's right. what Pancake Day We're is. We're mid-Lent. Don't relent. But do... do? I don't know what you meant to do in Lent. You just you Just fast. give something up. Give something up? Yeah. Okay. Chalky. Don't give up asking questions on no. the podcast. Yeah. But yeah. Don't relent. I don't know what I'm trying what do to say. You say. I don't know. Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump, $1 to ask questions on this podcast. Just like Blake Thomas, who said, Holy secondary protagonists, Batman. From Atreus to Luigi, who are some of your most memorable sidekicks in gaming? In gaming. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Blake. Blake. I liked um, slightly kind of, it's not who you immediately think of when, when you say sidekicks, but I like. Um, Wheatley and GLaDOS both mm-hmm. in Portal 2 mm-hmm. when yeah. they were wandering around with you chatting chatting rubbish uh, Sparks the Dragonfly very useful Not his, his characterization is next to like non-existent unless you play Spyro 3 in which case he just goes or Enter the Dragonfly where he's voiced by David Spade indeed but when you get hit like three times and you suddenly don't have Sparks you flipping well notice it not just because you're scared that you're going to die, but because you can't pick up the gems remotely. You have to walk up and touch each one. And actually, it's a massive faff when you don't have sparks. So in that sense, he's one of my favorite uh, uh, sidekicks because he makes life a lot easier. Hmm. Um, And then uh, I've got a whole bunch here. Cortana, I think, is great. Mm -hmm. Um, She's just like genuinely just a companion who will talk to you. Yes, she'll offer tactical information but like she's just a friend as well she's just a normal friend just massive mates yeah <laughs> and then also from a game that i'm a big fan of i've done sparks from spyro uh double h from beyond and evil um triple h actually triple h no it's just it's oh. it, it's the pre it's you the get that wrestling out of here pokemon oh below hunter hurst yes mm. not the full one no uh but he's just a man that's his code name um, but he's he's like a bloke in a suit of armor who um, just hits things with his head and with his hammer. Love that. Um, and uh, constantly quotes from like a military manual all the time, and mm. says, like says what you should be doing based on like oh page page twenty four of uh, it's called Carlson and Peters actually, but Peters with two E's. That's the name of the book. And he's like 
Carlson and Peters, page eight two three. We shouldn't be splitting up in this situation. Uh, and you know he's got all the knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not going to go wrong with double H on your team. And this is beyond good and evil. Yeah. So when you say page, you mean the literal page of the book, and not and not Uncle, Uncle page, page, who is your sidekick for some of the game, but actually in like Act One, at the end of Act One, he goes away. Right. Um, Uncle Page has just got rules written on his back, so he just yeah, lifts I was his say, shirt. How many up Uncle Pages says, do you have? Yeah. Page I suspect Uncle Page has a lot of tattoos, so yeah. he could have all the rules written on his back. Mm. It's entirely possible. Cool. It's like that movie where he's got all of his memories written on his memento. Memento. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I had a few that I like as well, because um, that was the question. I really like great stuff, Ashton. Elizabeth, tell us them, please. <laughs> Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite. Mm. I think she's just neat. Booker Catch. Yeah, she's passes me stuff all the time, which is great because I always miss stuff. Um, it's just yeah, it's just nice having her around. She's useful and she's nice. Sing a song with her. Yeah, at one point. exactly. Uh, I also really like Alex Vance, partially because I really like Half Life Alex, but also because she's just a great side character. Like she kicks ass. She's besties with robots, and her dad's really smart. She's really smart. She's gonna save the world. Gonna Alex Vance. Just admit it, you fancy her. Yeah. Sue me. I was honestly I was waiting for <laughs> yeah, that. I, I thought, thought that was gonna, that was be, gonna be at most least, importantly. I thought it was gonna be at least the second <laughs> point. Not everything I think is because they're pretty. I All right? disagree. Yeah. Based on a lot of evidence <laughs> that's on video and audio and in tweets. <laughs> It'll be awkward if her third uh, submission is like dog meat or something. Well, my, my third <laughs> submission hot. is Erend Van Guardsman from Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Which one is that? the beardy man, the big guy who is the soldier for the, the Kaja, but he's Oh, not. the one, oh no. The one whose sister was missing um, in the first game. And then in the second, he's the one that drinks all the, the alcohol. Yes, I know exactly yeah, what you yeah, mean. With yeah. the mutton chops. With the mutton chops. Yeah. I just a... think he's neat to have around, especially in the second game. I just think he's neat. Um, you just walk past him and he's always just muttering about something or having an argument about something. He's not very good with his focus, is he? He's no, trying his he's best. trying his best to figure it out. And it's just, he's just funny. I mean, I like all the side characters in Horizon, um, but I think he's like the most realistic in terms of character you meet along the way who suddenly gets introduced to very very complicated technology gets really into rock music because he finds the rock music on the focus Mm. and is just trying to like just kind of being a regular guy who's been pushed into this where everyone else is like yeah i figured it out here look i can Mm. done it and he's like how what's happening and it's just funny to see him like struggle i found limp biscuit what is what is that yes exactly yeah that's who I like in games. There's Excellent. more, but those are the ones I thought I'd bring along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be argued that he's actually a protagonist, but Clonk in Ratchet and Clonk, right? Um, <laughs> he's really good. He can, you know, he's got all sorts of tools on him, so you can hover and mm-hmm. use jets and all sorts of other stuff. He can like be that. big. He can be big. Yeah. As well. He can be blue. He can be violet sky yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, Another one that's that's a little bit tenuous, but having just played di- through Disco Elysium, if you pick up the horrible necktie at the start of the game, which is in your room hanging from the ceiling fan, just sort of going round and round, um, it talks to you. Of course it does. As you go through the game, and it's just got this absurd voice where everything it says is is completely unhinged. And this game is, most of the dialogue is your inner monologue based mm-hmm. on how you've designed your character and there's always like a million 
dice being rolled basically according to your stats in terms of whether you pass a check or fail a check and that's all streamlined into oh your subconscious this part of your brain is telling you this or has this insight based on this stat like Mm -hmm. you have some encyclopedia skills and you passed this skill check so here's some insight that your brain's going to tell you the necktie though is just insane there's one bit near the start that i did have to save a clip of where someone asks you to do something and the neck the necktie says to you that sounds like a responsibility you don't like those etc and it just goes on and on and i love having the necktie with me because it always says just the most ridiculous stuff so if that can count as a uh, sidekick the horrible necktie from disco elysium sure i would say hey why not uh elena sully chloe all all them lot from the uncharted games are excellent while we've been sitting here i thought oh yeah sully i didn't think to write sully down but i'm surprised no one mentioned ellie as well from the last of us Mm. because i was going to and i thought that one's really obvious yeah that's why i didn't bring it yeah i didn't say ellie for that reason i think just the 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 ai is great sometimes she runs directly in front of people and they don't see her which is which would be annoying if she was you're crouched behind a barrel and she's just stood next to you like climbing over cover (laughs) yeah but for the most part Good she's spell. great you know the ai is fantastic and she's really well programmed and designed mm-hmm. not just from a writing and voice acting standpoint like she's actually very a very functional uh sidekick i would say and the same goes for the uncharted characters as well even though they're not with you all the time when they are there the sort of patented naughty dog constant dialogue between them really helps develop the characters and i think that can be annoying and has been done poorly in some recent games that have tried to ape that but certainly i would say in the uncharted games they uh, they get the balance pretty pretty spot on Mm -hmm. so um i like those and finally a bit more of a tenuous one excuse me uh pikachu in pokemon yellow who's constantly walking along behind you Mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like you're on an adventure by yourself which is quite nice and you can turn around and talk to Pikachu, and depending on how long you've been together, uh, he will either be moody or he will smile at mm-hmm. you. It has a like, little speech bubble that comes up, and then a picture of his face. Yeah, um, and that felt far more in line with the you know the super mega popular anime cartoon at the time. In that Ash wasn't just walking around on his own; no. he had people with him, which they couldn't do in this game. But he also had you know pikachu in particular walking along outside of the pokeball who so. was recently revealed to uh, they were planning that he would actually be able to speak like meowth don't like from that. the beginning i um, don't like that rather than that one time that he said stuff um but that didn't happen <laughs> not a fan of that uh well it's time to move on to something ashton yes it's something new brand new for this podcast it's called what we play in mm. it's what we play in time time to talk about the games what we have been playing peter what you have been playing. I've... <laughs> Bless Peter. you. Bless Thanks. you, Ashton. Thanks. Peter, what have you been playing? Uh, I have played... They're actually both games that I've streamed recently, but I've been playing them in my own time as well in a completely different... Uh, well, not entirely. I So I, I streamed the movies mm. um, two weeks ago, and uh, in that I was like... I did the beginnings of, the makings of... Uh, an animated thing that had been written by an AI uh, chat bot, mm-hmm. like a script thing. And so after the stream, I was like, that was fun, but I don't want to go back and do that like next week and maybe the week after until I finally got this thing ready. So I've been doing that just in my own time. And actually, I quite enjoyed it. It was it was a real um, 
it was a bit of a nostalgia trip because I used to play that game a lot when I was like, I don't know, 13 or something. So mm. that was actually really nice. Uh, and now I have uninstalled it and don't think I will ever play it again um, because <laughs> okay. I've used pretty much every single interesting action that any of the actors can do. And so now the novelty is immediately worn off because mm. that game doesn't uh, doesn't give you enough creative freedom to like mix things up and do things in different unique ways. It's all just like set little scenes and stuff and i've just i've used them all so and i bet it felt limitless when you were a child oh yeah absolutely it really did um but now it feels very limiting or limited mm. so mm. yeah um but then the other thing i have played so i've been streaming skyrim i've done one session of it and i'm gonna do it again next week all being well although i might not be streaming next week so i don't know we'll see um but i've been collecting the all the bugs in jars mm -hmm. um but in order to get that working, I had to install a couple of mods and I ended up just playing Skyrim in, in an actual new, you know, new, new character uh, in my own time for about three hours one night this week um, and actually enjoyed it. I didn't um, do the game from the start because it is a very long and tedious opening and I'm sick to death of specifically, like the fact that you're sick of the game or in the way that you're sick of the game mm. i'm sick of the opening like half hour <laughs> um but i in one of the mods i installed was an alternate start mod where it just like dumps you you choose like what your backstory is like i'm camping in the woods or i'm a member of one of the guilds and it will just like place you there with some items and you can still then go and start the, the main quest if you want to you have to go and like investigate uh helgen and find that it's all been burnt down and then it just sets you off on the main quest. Or you can not do that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is great. I don't have to do the the tedious execution scene. Um, and I suddenly found myself playing the game. And I'm playing it in pretty much the same way that I've always played it. <laughs> um, except I'm just doing a lot more wandering into the wilderness and actually just going in dungeons. Because I didn't do as much of that as I should have done. And that is the thing that I like about the game. I like the environmental storytelling where you go in and there's like a dead body in a house surrounded by spiders or you go in somewhere and there's like a dog fighting ring and there's loads of dogs in cages and money all over the table and you know all that kind of little uh, there's little details that are not even part of any quest they're just they've been built by someone who's made a dungeon so i've that's what i've been doing i've just been enjoying a bit of skyrim surprisingly hmm. um i'll probably keep playing it for another couple of weeks and then i will probably stop playing it for another Several years. Several years. <laughs> maybe yeah. never go back ever again because we'll have Starfield and maybe even Elder Scrolls 6. Any day now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my stream games essentially is what I've been playing, but for fun because that's how boring I am. <laughs> Ashton, what have you been playing for fun? I've been playing a few things for fun. Um, Sunday, I spent pretty much all day from about 9 a.m. till about 10 o'clock in the evening playing modded minecraft again oh, just yeah. all day um playing vault hunters mod with a cat sat on my lap and a glass of gin best day ever nice. um and then me and mb have started playing division two mm. um we're just looking for a game to play together and he point blank refuses to play gotham Knights. i was gonna say gotham Knights so, is like the division two but with superheroes yeah I don't know what you're doing so we're playing division two which we have we played like the demo of like a few years ago when they gave like a the first hour demo or whatever 
and we both had forgotten. So we started like, why are we level four? What's going on? And then we realized that we'd played before. Um, I'm really enjoying it because it's mindless, like run here, do this, run here, do this. And I like that sometimes, just want to run here, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already bored, I think. But he says, oh, we can keep playing it if you want. And I'm like, you don't have to, I'll just play on my own if you don't want to play it. Um, and the other thing I've been playing, which I picked up last night and played for a few hours, um, is Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, mm-hmm. I played the second one a few years ago and I meant to play the third one, but just never got around to it. And that game is hard. I don't know if I just got stuck where like I was just in a situation where I was basically just dying over and over again. But Nemesis kicked my ass mm. like multiple times in like the very kind of first area um, after you like get into the main story. And I was trying to turn the subway station power back on. And after I'd done that and set everything back up, I was just trying to get back to the subway station. And he was just kicking my ass. Like you come out of the room and you go kind of up these stairs and he was just following me, just punching me in the back of the head. And every time I got up, he'd just punch me again. I do remember a few occasions where, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my, I was like getting so actually angry. And I was like, I'm turning it off. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm turning it off. If I don't do it this time, I'm not playing it ever again. And I was like stood in this little room that you could get into at the top of the stairs. And I had like barely any health. I had no health things left and he was just standing outside the window of this shop just staring at me and I was like oh I don't want to go out there he's gonna kill me and then I escaped into this like corridor like thing and I thought oh cool I'm not that far away now and then he just jumps and lands right in front of me and just punches me in the head and kills me and I was like oh I was lit I was fuming and I couldn't go anywhere because there was a cat sleep on me so I was stuck anyway so I was like I'm just going to keep playing it. And I managed to get through to like the sewers, but I almost just turned the game off and didn't play it again because he was just the worst. And it's definitely a lot harder than two. So much yeah. so that I was going through and it was like, would you like to turn on assisted mode? And I was like, no, I don't want to turn on assisted <laughs> mode. So that's what I've been playing. Maybe I'll play some more, but maybe I'll just get so angry I'll never play again. But Nemesis is really hard. Yeah, I've not played that game since it first came out, but actually thinking about it, it was pretty tough. I can think of multiple occasions now where I was like, yeah, getting, you know, just going over mm. and over again in the same loop. Yeah. Back to life. There was only one bit I think that I really, really struggled with that stood out for me. And I can't remember if we were playing it on stream or not. Did you do a solo stream on Resi 3 when it came out? I feel we like definitely. There you was stream a stream, it. whether it was solo yeah. or joint, I don't okay. remember. Well, when I was playing it, there was there's a bit, and I won't spoil it because you will get there, where you're you're playing as as someone and uh, you're in a room and you basically just have to survive a load of zombies who are pouring in. It's a bit like Call of Duty zombies almost, that mm. bit, where you've just got to survive for an amount of time. Mm. And I just, I died like four or five times on that and I was just not having fun and there were bad checkpoints. You had to do it from the very start. But I... I Really liked Resi 3. I think we said at the time on the podcast, etc., that uh, it's not as good as Resi 2 Remake, no. but not necessarily because it's they did a worse job. It's just that Resi 3 is not as good as Resi 2. Mm. The game they remade is not as good. But If they'd only released Resi 3 and Resi 2 didn't exist, everyone yeah. would be like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But by comparison, it's not so good. It was a solo stream, by the way, I've remembered. Okay. But yeah. But yeah, so that's why I've been playing this week. What have mm. you been playing? I have been playing an awful lot of WWE 2K23, mm-hmm. which we'll be talking about in Review Corner in a moment. Uh, but other than that, I finished Gears of War 4 in co-op. Yeah. 
And I don't like that one as much as the original trilogy. I don't think that's a controversial opinion, mm -hmm. uh, but it's just I had almost no connection to the characters. I don't really find myself that invested or caring about Kate's story. And clearly she's been pushed as sort of the, the primary driving force of this new trilogy, assuming we get a sixth one at some point. Um, and I know that I started it over a month ago and then only came back to it over the weekend, just gone. But I thought it ended really abruptly and weirdly. Like it, I thought when I got to the end of this mission that it was just, we were then just going to keep playing afterwards, but then the credits rolled. Right. And I was like, what? That's the end. You had that about like something else weird recently. mid-level break. Uh, I can't remember. No, I can't well, remember. we had it with Callisto Protocol. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Maybe that's okay. what I was thinking of. Yeah, it just the ending was, I don't know. It, it felt like it aped something that was done in the first trilogy, but not as well. And that reveal was like mid-game that then drove this sort of revenge narrative for the remainder of that game. Whereas this one, it was like, oh, this makes me so cross. Credits. Right. Like, oh. All right, uh, so I will play Gears 5, which by all accounts is better than Gears 4, but that game releasing when it was definitely, and especially playing it now, but I imagine even then, feels like a game out of time. Like it feels like a game from 15 years ago, you know, when, when the original, it feels a lot like the original trilogy, which is no bad thing, but I just feel like games have come a really long way since then. Mm. And while I'd be well up for a, a Gears game now, the little bit of Gears 5 I played with James Jenkins when we covered it on Quipscope uh, all those years ago. Um, I, I was like, this feels like I'm playing an Xbox 360 game. It doesn't look like one, mm. but it fit like it plays like a like a game from a long time ago. So I'm not sure if I'll enjoy Gears 5 either, but as I said, it's meant to be better than Gears 4. So onwards and upwards, as they say. And that's yes. all I have played. Okay. But it's time. Mm-hmm to hop over to the review corner and talk about WWE 2K23. Oh, isn't that nice? Well, hello, and welcome to this review corner. Ooh. If things sound slightly different, it's because we're in a different room now. But yes. It, sure, it's fine. We, we're just rolling with it. Ben, hello. you have been playing a game this week. I have. It is WWE 2K23. Yes. Which, as of the release of this podcast, is now available. And yes. people can play it yes. if they want. But uh, I've had it for about a week and I've been playing the ever flipping flip out of it. Mm -hmm. Just trying to think of another word mm -hmm. in place of a swear. All I've got is flip. And I've really enjoyed it. Good. And I know I'm biased because I like wrestling. Yeah. Although a non-wrestling fan probably wouldn't play WWE 2K23. No, probably not. Let's be real. But on the whole, it's they're getting there. Yeah. Like last year, in fact, no, that's not even fair. Last year they were getting there, yeah. rebuilding after the disastrous 2K20. I was going to ask you, because we spoke about last year's one yeah. together and there was a lot of changes made last mm. year to make it better than the year before. Yes. And I assume that they've built on that and made it even better over? They have. Essentially, we're going to deep dive on some aspects of it momentarily, okay. but it's, essentially the takeaway headline is that last year they had to rebuild... And this year, they've managed to build upon those foundations. Mm -hmm. So they've basically settled into a groove now of 
what they want out of this series and they're focusing more on just making the bits that are good better mm. which yeah. is a good place to be in and I'm, I'm very optimistic now for the future of the series because they could have just scrapped it all and started from scratch again this year mm. but the control scheme is basically the same which was a very accessible version of what came before so you've got your your light combos and your heavy combos you always start by pressing square to do a punch mm -hmm. a light punch and then you can grapple with circle and there are more complex controls for people who want to do more complicated things like grab people by the scruff of their neck and walk them around the ring mm. or lift people up for sort of more manual attacks rather than specific moves that are already in there so in terms of returning players no not knowing what to expect it's going to play the same as last year yeah which is good and has it got the same game modes that it had last year because it wasn't there like four last year yes it had bloody loads last year and they've <laughs> they've all returned so there's showcase mode which mm -hmm. this year follows john cena who's mm -hmm. on the cover uh there's my rise which is the career mode there's my faction which is the card based mode uh sort of like fifa ultimate team yeah uh, my gm where you run the show and you have a budget and you have to you know book different wrestlers on your uh roster in storylines and so on and then there's my uh, there's wwe uh, universe mode where you can basically just do whatever you want like mm -hmm. you can create entire new shows if you want to and the big new addition uh game mode wise or i say match type wise is more accurate is the addition of war games which is a match that sort of returned to prominence on WWE TV in the past couple of years or so. Mm -hmm. And it's two rings next to it. In fact, we got one for... Uh Yes. In in the Tatapil. In the yeah. Tatapil. We got a we got a toy version. Yes. I remember. So it's two rings with a steel cage around yeah. it. It's complete chaos. I think it works really well. Uh but diving into the different modes. Mm -hmm. Showcase mode is about John Cena, but instead of playing through John Cena's most famous matches, you play through some of his most famous defeats mm. and you play as the person who beat John Cena because Cena is trying to get his wins back, basically. That's right. how it's that's how it's presented. And like last year, it sort of melds real footage of the match with animated bits in engine. So it sort of like mm -hmm. transitions between them and we'll give you basic prompts like throw john cena into the ring apron on the outside of the ring and then it will trigger the next bit that comes along it's a nice little package mm -hmm. last year though it was about ray mysterio and ray actually as well as doing sort of talking head bits between the matches he would narrate what was going on periodically say and and then he punched me right in the face yeah. or something like that yeah. this year though john cena doesn't say anything during the matches Good. there's no commentary team there's just sort of like generic music that plays throughout so it feels like oh, really weird. weirdly unpopular like i know john cena's probably extremely busy yeah but there's huge long stretches where there's no talking whatsoever it's like he's just done his likeness and he was like what more do you want? He's just gone. He's done bits to camera for, for in between the matches, but that's it. So that mm. that was a bit of a shame. Mm. I felt like that could have been polished up a bit more, but, you know, it is, it is the same mode as last year. Uh, big improvements, though, to My Rise, the career mode, because in last year's one, they rebooted it slightly because 2K20 and 2K19, they had these sort of linear storylines mm. that were kind of mental. <laughs> uh, and then last year, they had this... I didn't like it at all, sort of like it was driven by the in-game social media feed. Right. And you would just, there would be exclamation marks or whatever next to certain tweets or posts. And if if you clicked on one, you would enter a story, which largely would play out over social media. And then you'd just be loading into a meaningless match. Right. Sometimes there'd be some 
stories where there were, you know, there was narration and actual cutscenes and stuff, but they were few and far between. It was a bit disjointed and a bit naff. Mm. The social media stuff has returned this year, but there is an actual story that goes, that has a beginning and an end, like that runs across Good. the entire thing. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. the story mode actually has an ending this time. Um, and the stuff that takes place on social media is usually sort of like B stories mm. that you don't have to do. They're kind of optional ones and you get extra attribute points as a reward that you mm. can use to upgrade your person. Uh, there's a male and a female one once again. The male one is called The Lock, where you're a well-traveled, international, independent wrestling sensation who gets signed by WWE. Right. But you get immediately saddled with like a terrible character. You're called The Lock because you're the future of the industry or something. And you right. have to wear this gear that's got like a padlock on it. And there's a safe that like you Like a come chastity out belt. Sure. <laughs> sure. You sort of, it's your story of having to like emerge from that, break free from that character and, and forge your own destiny, mm. as it were. And the female one, you are the niece of a WWE Hall of Famer. And you've got sort of, it's, it's again, a similar story, but this time you're trying to get out from under her shadow right. and, and forge your own legacy, basically. Okay. Both are pretty good. And I think they're huge steps up from last year's version. And if this is what they're going to go with going forwards, obviously the story is going to change every year. And uh, I can only hope that they make it as wacky and insane as 2K20 because as ridiculous and broken as that game was, I thought the My Rise mode was actually very entertaining because mm. it was so stupid. <laughs> uh, and I enjoy that stuff. My Faction, the card mode, not for me at yeah. all. You log in, you get your dailies, Ugh. you get your rewards. You, there's like three different currencies. Some people really love this mode and they have made a lot of improvements to it. Uh, I think presentation-wise, it's a lot better than it was last year. Having your team of of, uh, of four guys and four girls, you know, when when you win your match, they're all there celebrating together. That you you want to collect the cards that represent your favorite wrestlers, for mm -hmm. example. And now you can play online as well. So they've they've added lots of stuff to that. If you're interested in that, my GM as well has also seen improvements. Last year they didn't have. The mid-card title, so you're talking your Intercontinental and United States Championships. Of course. Of course. And even the tag belts weren't in it last year, mm. but they are now. Uh, you can also have up to four general managers competing at a time or taking turns to book their shows. So there's there's a lot more. Again, they've just sort of been building on what they started mm. uh, last year. Universe mode is universe mode. I don't really know if they change much year to year, uh, but there are diehards who love this mode because they can just create their own right yeah universe literally they can yeah. make entirely new shows create arenas for it and everything and so that's all there and as i said war games is super duper fun i've been playing a flipping load of this <laughs> i think it looks really good mm -hmm. i don't think it visually is any better than last year but last year was a huge step up from before mm -hmm. it's very stable as well no crashes for me a lot of load screens which on the whole are a lot faster than i think last year's game but especially in my rise, you are constantly in loading screens. That's a shame. And that is very tedious. Uh, mm. So hopefully they can Quicken sort those that up stuff out. Yeah, yeah, or just maybe limit the need for them sometimes. Yeah. Maybe just streamline that experience a bit. But uh, a big old recommend for me. Good. I wrote the review for Push Square and I gave it an eight. And uh, I think it's on like an 84 on Metacritic or something. So huge improvement. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, I, I very much recommend it if you're a wrestling fan. And uh, I think you should give it a play. I'm streaming it as well. So yeah. come watch my streams.
Cool. Well, thanks, Ben. You're welcome. Should we go back to the, the Losers doing the regular podcast? Beg your pardon? <laughs> Should we go back to the Losers doing the regular podcast? In the non-echoey room? Yeah. All right, let's go. It's time for question two now. Uh, the question two comes from Callum Story. Hey, Bap, do you see it as a sign of poor game design if a game can't be completed without using an online guide? Or is this community aspect an accepted and or intentional aspect of some games? Thanks, Callum. Thanks, Callum. Thank you, Callum. Yes, I do. I do see it as a sign of poor game design if a game can't be completed without using an online guide. No game should only be completable with an online guide, I think. Mm. Is that a controversial opinion? I agree. I um, think it varies I think in, in a very few specific instances. I can think of one game that where I've, I've had to use online resources and I don't think that that's a bad thing, which was Minecraft because... It doesn't tell you how to craft stuff. You don't. You don't know that. Uh, Sorry, I dropped my phone. You dropped your floor. phone. You don't. No one. No one flipping knows how to make a gate in Minecraft, <laughs> or not the first time anyway. So you have to go to the Minecraft wiki or something and look it up, mm -hmm. and that's fine. Uh, but that's different, really. That's not using a guide to complete a game. Uh, but other than that, I can't really think of instances where I. I think it's, it's okay. If we're talking about completion, like. Platinuming a game yeah. and like having to do some really hard either optional stuff or not even optional stuff that's like listed in game like oh here's a, a very difficult arena but like just how to farm like a thousand items then here's a guide that tells you the most efficient way to do that that's a bit different but if we're talking about like the the main beats of a game requiring an online guide for some reason then that just seems like it's been made too difficult. Perhaps Soulsborne players use online guides, and that is one where, yeah, maybe it would work because you play those games for that difficulty. But mm. I don't know. I think, like, this kind of stuff should be at least available in-game in some way, even if you have to, like, go out of your way and find, like, notes that have weaknesses of enemies on there or something. Like, you know, actually, like, implement it into the the universe rather than require you to pause the game, pull out your phone and start Googling. Like that just seems, I don't know, that seems bad to me. I agree. I think that um, if I can't get past like a section of the game because I can't figure out where to go or a puzzle is just objectively too hard, then I think that's poor game design. If you've not got, you know, I'm not a big fan of the yellow paint means you can go this way no. thing however if you are going to put me in a room and say get out of the room and not tell me what i can interact with or like jump on or whatever then that is poor game design if there's no like even slight subtle clues or no previous like game imp like information that tells me that i could do that then i think it's bad game design however I do appreciate that for some games, helping each other out is kind of part of the experience, like the notes and stuff you can leave in like um, Elden Ring. You can leave mm. little things, can't you? Mm. And then like things like Death Stranding, where you can lead a ladder in a convenient place that someone can then get up off the ladder or something along those lines. Whatever you do in that game, I literally have no idea. So... I think that there's like certain elements where it's like, yeah, it's a community thing. But if you're like being like, oh, they'll all have to work together to figure this one out. Then no, 
no, no, I don't want to have to talk to other people. I don't want to have to go on a forum, find out the information that way. I want to just be able to to just figure it out myself. I only ever go on a guide if it's like really like I'm frustrated that I can't figure it out and or I'm tired. Like when I play Professor Layton on the Metro, sometimes sometimes I do search up a puzzle because I'm confused by the puzzle, what it's asking me. And eight out of 10 times, it's my fault because I've read the question wrong. And then I'm like, oh cool, I was doing the right thing. I just was looking for the opposite. So I I do sometimes go for a guide, but if it's if I have to search for a guide, it's normally because I'm annoyed that I can't figure it out myself. And I don't like the feeling of feeling stupid for not being able to figure it out. So I don't really like having to search for guides, but I know that some games they like force you to, but I think it's poor game design if I have to search for a guide because you've not provided me any resources to figure it out myself. Mm. I broadly agree. However, I think it depends on the game I think it depends on the player as well, because as you've just described, Ashton, everybody is going to have different abilities when it comes to certain games, certain puzzles, certain challenges, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think a game like, well, for example, if you if you put me with my level of patience for puzzle games and for point and click adventure games in a in a broken sword or a uh, Tales from Monkey Island, it's probably not going to be too long before I get really frustrated and wound up and end up just Googling something. Mm-hmm. I don't see that as a failure of the game, though, because that's what the game is meant to be. And for some people who are dialed in, they will know exactly what they have to do or they will genuinely relish trying to work out what it is. Whereas my patience and my time is limited and I'm an idiot and I can't be asked. Uh, from Software Games, of course, are going to be the example that I'm going to lean on here because... Those games are so hard to get into because they all have their own language. Like there'll be the same, there'll be an item that serves the same function in every single one of their games. <clears throat> Excuse me. For example, the Estus Flask, which heals you, but it'll have a different name in every single one. Mm-hmm. And returning players will know exactly what that is and how that functions, even though it's got a different name. And they'll be able to talk to other players and know, oh, this is the analog for that from that game. Whereas new players coming in. I'm not going to have any flipping clue. There's a built-in, well, it does give you some crash course at the start. There's a built-in expectation for players to work it out themselves or have prior knowledge. And that's not necess- that could be described as poor game design. And when Elden Ring came out last year, we were talking about how developers from, a number of developers from across the sort of AAA sphere were very vocally critical of all the love and acclaim that Elden Ring was getting because they were coming from backgrounds where they had to develop like Ubisoft maps and stuff where everything was really clear and explained and laid out. And they were like, understandably, they said, this is not accessible. I don't understand why this is getting so much praise when we'd get absolutely destroyed if we did something similar. But I think they, from software, are fortunate and in in that they they sort of exist in their own sphere out of the norm. And Mm. I feel like certain puzzle games certain FromSoft games certainly are allowed to be more obtuse and some players are going to work it out. Clearly, someone's got to work it out to then tell other people how to do it. But for a lot of people, they're going to they're going to struggle and they're going to have to Google it. And I suppose it's down to your own definition of, of what poor game design would be because I feel like a lot of the mystique of some of certainly the more obscure quest lines you can do in in FromSoft games would be ruined if it was really obvious what you had to do. Mm. Like, take this strange item you pick up in this corner of the map, 
to here and you'll get a special event will happen. It's like, how is anyone supposed to figure that out? But that's kind of the unique charm of those games. But I would say that like, if there's a certain, because I always get annoyed when I feel like I've missed out on something because mm. I've not been told about it. Like like Peter said, there's like a note that says, I took this. Like, even if it's not in the same location, if you find a like, Deathloop, for example, you find like a thing that's in one area that talks about something that's in like another area, another time of the day. And it's up to you whether you've like taken that piece of information and gone, oh, let me go and do that. But you don't have to, you can miss mm -hmm. that. But the thing that annoys me is when they're like, oh, if you take the egg to the podium that's really far away and not marked on any map or anything, guess what? You get a dragon. I'll be like, well, why didn't no one tell me that? Like, why would you put that in the game and not even give me a little hint is, to go there to get dragon? From Software Game would give you a hint, but it would be weird, obscure, mm. and if you're not, if and if you come to that location during the daytime, <laughs> yeah, that that NPC won't be there. Yeah. You know, it'll be something really weird, and and I can understand how that would be frustrating, but I don't think. I don't think sort of like a blanket rule necessarily applies. If I'm playing Call of Duty mm. and I run down a corridor and then and I'm shooting people and then a puzzle appears that is absolutely baffling because I didn't pick up the flipping flashbang grenade from this room mm. in a previous level, then yeah, that would be bad. But that's because that's not what you expect from those games. I think yeah. some games you you're gonna struggle and that's sort of by their design. But at the same time, you could call that poor game design if you then go in and try and play that for the first time and bounce off it because it's complete gibberish to you. I would understand that. Well, also to the point of like how it affects specific players, I, I agree that that in itself is not poor game design. If I play a Monkey Island game and I personally struggle with a puzzle because I'm not like wired for those kinds of puzzles, I don't think that's poor game design. But to... Like the, I mean, the question says if a game can't be completed without using an online guide. So I think rather than like specific players struggling with specific things, it's like if a game has specifically been designed to be so obtuse that you almost almost nobody can complete it mm -hmm. without like kind of community effort and like working all out together. Then you know, I think that's that is where it. It could be called poor game design. In that instance, yes, I would yeah. say. On the other hand, though, can't be. Uh, that's slightly different to if there's a sort of conspiracy, like a gaming, like sometimes online communities come together because they're working out this like really like strange, subtle thing that the developers have hidden in there. Demon Souls remake with the coins that right. they added. Yeah, exactly. And like door. GTA have done things like that. And yeah, various games have done it. And that's that's a different thing entirely. If people are coming together to work out something in an interesting kind of riddle, almost scavenger hunt kind of thing, then that that's interesting. And that's like how you drive community engagement. But yeah, so that's there's a, a subtle difference there. Mm. Mm. It's time for something a bit strange, Peter. It is. Uh, it's time for news. That is weird. It's weird news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. If you want to submit some weird video game news to us, then you can leave it in a comment or a reply on Twitter, uh, on Facebook and Twitter, under the post that goes out near the start of the week. And uh, you'll get a shout-out and you'll get your news read too. But if you want to guarantee a shout-out at this point in the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump and become a producer, a podcast producer. And here are the podcast producers for this week. We've got Nathan. G.Y. Goliath. Nexus Polaris. Duncan Wilson. Blake Thomas. Ellie Nicholas. Nicole Hansen. Melody Elbonet. Katie Garrett. And Gabrielle Philippink. Thank you, Thank podcast. you, podcast, podcast producers. Thank you. Uh, you got some weird news, Good Peter. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, this was submitted by Sean Austin. No relation. Well, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's from eight days ago. I saw this last week and I nearly brought it, but I was like, hmm... It's kind of video game adjacent. It's not really video game related. So not only is this not particularly video game related, it's also over a week old, but there wasn't that much weird news this week. So thank you, Sean, for sending this in. In the year of our Lord, 2023, Chuck E. Cheese still uses floppy disks to make the animatronic mouse dance. Brilliant. This is according to PCGamer.com, written by Rich Stanton. Get a pizza this. Oh. Very good. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theatre is a chain that has its origins in video games. It was the passion project of Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell, who, flush with success in the 1970s, saw the opportunity to get his concept for a family-friendly restaurant that was also an amusement venue off the ground. It served pizza because, in Bushnell's words, there were very few components and not too many ways to screw it up. And the centerpiece of the restaurants would become animatronic shows starring a coyote. Except when Bushnell bought the first costume, it turned out to be for a rat. Wiser heads persuaded Bushnell not to call the chain Rick Rat's Pizza, and thus Chuck E. Cheese was born. A lot of backstory there. To yeah, yeah. I didn't know that any of this was true, so I'm glad that I found out so much more. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just slightly today. skip ahead because it's taken a while. Uh, the animatronic element of Chuck E. Cheese is a weird old thing. I've only seen it once and that was quite enough. Slightly moth-bitten and gaudy. These days, the chain has decided the rat's now a trendy mouse. But in some ways, it remains old school. In a recent viral TikTok via Ars Technica, a Chuck E. Cheese employee called Stephen Coonrod shows how these animatronics are made to dance using floppy disks. Coonrod shows off the 3.5-inch floppy disk, which holds up to 1.44 megabytes of Whoa. data. 
and is branded with the Chuck E. Cheese logo and a Chuck E. Cheese Evergreen Show 2023 stamp before loading it into a large computer bank, a Cyberstar rack mount system. Whoa. PCGamer.com. They know. Uh, connected to both the floppy drive and various DVD players. Not all Chuck E. Cheese locations still use floppies, less than 50 of the restaurants of over 600 worldwide. Uh, but for those that do, the programs are written in-house and contain the dance routines for the animatronic animals and are accompanied by DVDs which play the light show, background visuals and music around them. The particular setup in Coonrod's location is called Studio C and it features one animatronic accompanied by four screens and is 25 years old. Mm. Wow. There's more to it, but I think we've got the gist. Tell us more about that rack mount rack racks system. Yeah. Oh, well, it's got... No, I don't know. I didn't say. Because they assume that everyone on PC Gamer knows about the mount yeah, racks. I mean, it, I understood it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Fully. I didn't. I was a bit too young for floppy disks. Yeah. Have you ever used my homework to school on a floppy disk? The other day, well, I was watching Buffy the Vampire and they like have, obviously set in 1998 and at one point a teacher got a floppy disk out of a PC and I was like, what is that? (laughs) What is that? It's a save button. My brain was like, wow, that's a floppy disk. 3D printed a save button. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I've never used a floppy disk. Actually, probably have when I was really young, but not for a while. I have a bit of weird news. Yeah. I yeah. forgot to write down who it's come from. Oh, so bloody I'll look hell. while Ben's doing his. Um, is written by Renata Price on Vice. Um, the list, nice. there is an advert that will literally not get out of the way. Thank you. What was it for? Um, Oakley. What is that? Fingers glasses. The list of official Olympic esports games is extremely weird. The competitive tic tac bow scene finally gets the spotlight. On Wednesday, the International Olympics Committee announced that the Olympics will be holding an official esports series this year. Qualifiers have already begun and will culminate in live in person finals at the first ever Olympic esports week held in Singapore late June. Mm. In late June. Um, at first glance, I know this is particularly surprising if you've been paying attention to the trajectory of esports in recent years. It's been, become increasingly popular and their inclusion in the Olympics has been debated for a while. However, the obscure assortment of games chosen for the event, some of which are pay-to-win mobile games or only available on an indie console, are mind-boggling to anyone familiar with esports, which is a space led by... Like the games like League of Legends, League League of Legends, thank you, Lol. Call of Duty, and Overwatch. Um, Can I just say? Yes, there are some ancient Greeks somewhere who are rolling in their graves. <laughs> yeah, free to play mobile games at yeah. the official Olympics. Pay yeah. to win. Pay to win. Pay to win. Like corruption. Yes. Here we go. There are, there are, of course, some reasonable choices. Chess, hosted by chess.com, for example. People love chess and been playing it for hundreds of years. Additionally, chess.com has spent a lot of time and money trying to invest in chess as an eSport. If it was like a pretty natural pick for an event like this, racing, ga- racing title Gran Turismo, while a bit of a surprising choice, is at the very least a recognisable brand to many people. Additionally, as a digital version of motorsports, Gran Turismo is relatively readable to an audience more familiar with vo- volleyball rowing Volleyball and rowing, and then League of Legends and Counter Strike. Mm, that's true. Why aren't they playing the Olympics video game? Yeah, that's such a good question. Mario and Sonic. Finally, Just Dance, which only feels reasonable on account of its popularity, despite the fact that it seems like a bad sport to watch. 
The other games chosen for the Olympic Esports Week will be only be familiar to obscure mobile game enthusiasts and those who follow the international federations govern- governing their favourite sports very closely. Virtual versions of archery, baseball, cycling, sailing, taekwondo and tennis round out the series with each game being a more confusing choice than the last. Archery is represented by Tic Tac Bow, a game created by Refract Technologies, a Singapore-based studio, and published by Project 99. It's also worth noting that Refract Technologies founder is an active commission member of the Global Esports Federation. Oh, weird. Right. The game does what it says on the tin, combining archery with the classic children's game Tic Tac Toe, and was released in late February of this year. So far, only 150 downloads. Oh, no. It is also affiliated with the World Archery Federation, the International Olympic Committee's recognised archery federation. And honestly, stick with me here. It just gets weirder. That's dodgy. Um, Can I just say quickly, though, that there shouldn't be any party games, especially motion control party games like Just Dance involved, because it doesn't matter how good you are at dancing. You are entirely limited by the technology's ability to capture your dancing. Mm -hmm. At that point, you might as well just have a bloody dancing competition. Also, isn't Just Dance hypothetically like if you just did a perfect dance, Mm. you would just get full points and if this is like the very best just dance players from around the world are they not all just gonna get they'll just know exactly which movements and i bet they won't be they won't be dancing they won't be doing the right dance either they'll just they'll 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 work out which arm movements to do for each yeah they're not gonna be getting into it are they they'll just be yeah it'll be robotic it'll be the kind of person that annoys my mum when she's really trying and then someone's just wiggling their hand around and they get more points um Refact Technologies is also the developer for Virtual Taekwondo, a flagship game for the Axis, the motion-controlled-based console which the company successfully kick-started in 2018. The game uses motion-tracking technology to translate real-world body movements into the game, allowing for no-contact virtual sparring. Representing baseball is WBSC's eBaseball Power Pros, which is available on PS5 and Nintendo Switch for the strangely low 99 cents. The World Baseball and Softball Confederation has partnered with Konami, this much malignant publisher behind Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill for the game. Z-Wift and... Malignant publisher. Maligned? Maligned. Did I say malignant? Sorry. That's all right. I just auto-corrected it. Um, Z-Swift and Virtual Regatta, virtual versions of cycling and sailing respectively, are relatively popular translations of their relative sports. The same cannot be said for Tennis Crash, a mobile game, Tennis Clash, sorry, a mobile game produced by Wildlife Studios, a massive mobile developer, which has a reputation for intense pay-to-win microtransactions. Product reviews across various app store sites sudden unpredictable change um, cite sudden unpredictable changes in game balance from update to update, which can be alleviated by simply spending more money on the game. Hmm. Um, they are in no way represent- so the games chosen are in no way representative of what most people imagine what- when they think of esports, but they are oddly representative of the current state of games as a business. The breadth of a display is really something to marvel at, ranging from prestige AAA sports games to predominantly to predatory mobile games and obscure enthusiast products. The only consistency between them being their connection to governing bodies of their respective sports. Mm. Well, so, mm. that's, that's going to be terrible, isn't tasty it? Tasty corruption there, and also. Can't wait to watch. Yeah, I won't be watching. No. Yeah. Um, God, well, sounds like that couldn't have been organized worse. Mm-hmm. Fun. My weird news comes from Comroy on Twitter and also Matthew of Botchamania, who we work with, who oh. sent it to me in a DM. This comes from PC Gamer and is written by Jody McGregor. Rollercoaster Tycoon 2 track takes longer to complete than the universe will exist. Goodness. Nice. 
Theme park management sim and vomit-soaked hellscape creation tool Rollercoaster Tycoon 2 has played host to some real horror shows. Streamer Marcel v Marcel Voss is responsible for many of them, having built record-setting tracks like the nightmarish one that takes 12 real years to complete. Which I feel like we may have covered on Weird News before. It sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. His latest work puts that in perspective. It takes over three... Quinvigantillion years to complete. A Quinvigantillion is a one with 78 zeros after it. Voss calls it the Universe Coaster, and it's not exactly a thrill a minute. As his 14-minute video explains via Kotaku, it begins with a looping coaster that runs along, uh, runs along a long spiral track at a speed of about a kilometer per hour. That's roughly one-fifth or one-sixth of walking speed. Mm -hmm. Just to put that into context for people who aren't really sure. Uh, the track ends in nothing, though there is a decorative skeleton in the top hat, but the coaster doesn't crash at this dead end. Thanks to a slight incline cleverly placed near the st uh, at the start of the track, which the coaster reverses onto before it descends, RCT2, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, acts as if the coaster still has a winch attached when it reaches the dead end, as it must have as it must have had to back up that incline. It's not only prevented from crashing by this invisible winch, but pulled all the way back along the track by it at its slowest possible speed. This is really wordy and hard to read out. But basically, you will if you do it, you're going to be on there for the rest of your natural life and several other natural lives as well. And I think he also managed to make it so that... It's not a ridiculous file size, so you can technically import it into an original version of Roller Coaster Tycoon yeah. 2 and I, run it. I watched the video and he he said there are ways to make much longer rides mm. in um like open RCT, yeah. which is like a, a kind of a modded like open source thing. But he said his one will actually work in the original version of the game. Yeah. Um and there was a lot more to it as well, where he had all these like little mouse rides next to it that they have to go around once to like trigger the one next to it to start. And then like that one has to go around twice to trigger the one next to it to start. And they're all like chained together like that. So that like the one at the very end of this chain has to wait for the one at the start to go around like hundreds and hundreds of times before it has a knock on effect. And yeah, somehow you can like sync adjacent rides up with each other so that when one of them finishes a lap, the next one starts its first lap. Mm. And that's how he was able to just multiply it 72 to, like, to the power of, I don't know, it's crazy. It's yeah. unbelievable. Ridiculous. My news, by the way, came from Colby Knee Deep Dalziel on Twitter. Mm. Thank Lovely. you, Colby. And that was weird news. Mm. Time for question three. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so this is from Moonstone Studios, who says, Hello, Bap. Hello. While playing Hi. the Resident Evil 4 remake Chainsaw demo, I was pleasantly surprised to see Capcom portrayed Leon using his pistol correctly in regards to loading and reloading. If you completely empty the magazine before reloading, Leon will have to chamber the first bullet. Consequently, if you reload before that happens, a plus one appears under the ammo count, reflecting the bullet that was still in the chamber ready to be fired. Is this ultimately a stupid minor detail? Yes, but that's how those types of guns work, and I can count on one hand the number of games that get this right. Do, do any of you have any similar things that aren't really that big a deal, but you're glad when you see it in a game? Thank you, Moonstone Studios. Thank you, Moonstone Thank Studios. Thank you, Moonstone Studios. I couldn't think of... I know that I've seen things like that that are like really subtle that I'm like, yes, I, I really approve of that tiny detail. I remember actually in Haven Call of the King, which, let's remember, is a PS2 game from like the early noughties. 
when it starts raining, if you're standing still, he'll just put his hood up and then he'll carry on walking, which for the time is like, no one was doing that. That's just a really minor detail. Um, but yeah, I couldn't really think of any um, at right now uh, that are like really like a fine detail like that. Uh, but I do like when in Star Wars games, you get marks on the wall when you, if you move around and your lightsaber just like catches a wall, mm-hmm. it leaves a burn mark. Um, and you would kind of expect that nowadays in modern gaming. But again, to go back to, I don't know exactly what year we're talking, but like the um, the the Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy games with Karkatan, those were, um, for the time, I think it was, it was quite interesting to see that that would happen. If you like scuffed the wall with your saber, it would leave a burn mark. It was like, oh, wow, okay. That's like, they really put some thought into that. So yeah, I like things like that. Um, generally just sort of destructible objects. And when you go into a room and things on a table can be like swooshed off, swept off Mm. or like knocked around, things that have movement and physics to them. um, It's something that does happen nowadays, of course, but in a lot of games that are considered, you know, absolutely top quality, it doesn't happen. You know, you play something like The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part Two and you walk into a room, everything is very much fixed in place. Mm. Um, so whenever I see just a, a more believable physics system, that's something that I really appreciate. It's not really comparable to the the way the gun has been represented in Resident Evil 4, but yeah, that is something relatively minor that I actually get a lot out of. Ashton? I also, mine are not like quite as small as a gun being reloaded is accurate, but I love, love it when there's a bit of like actual footage, like filmed of real people in a video game. I really liked it when it was in the intro to Resi, that sort of reminds me of it. And I really like it when it's in control and Mm. there's like that doctor who's doing all the videos. I love it, 10 out of 10. Every time I see it, it makes me happy. I don't know why, I just really like it. Also, things I like are when I do something in a game, and I think I said this before, and it like, so it actually affects the world that I'm in. Like, for example, in Horizon, Zero, uh, Forbidden West, when you do one of the quests, an area which is like covered in like dying plants starts to turn green and healthy and everything comes back to life and it affects both your map and the actual game itself. Love that. Mm, perfect. Mm-mm-mm. Also, really like it when in games where there's like a radio or like a TV system when they talk about things that I've done in the game. Like, yeah, if I've committed like a big crime... Are you going to talk about Saints Row, Ashton? No, I was going to talk about Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. And others. It does well. happen in Saints Row. Spider-Man as well. As well. You Spider-Man as well, exactly. It'll be like, there was a big shootout at the, the saloon the other day, and I'm like, yeah, I was there. That was me. <laughs> I did that. And I just love <laughs> when, like... I'm on the radio. Yeah, exactly. And I like when I'm just driving around in my car off to do something, and the, the news reporter's talking about something that's happened, or that I've been involved in. I love that. I love when that happens. <laughs> and it makes me really sad when I play games where like, I'll have done something. Like even Mafia that I've been playing recently, if you do certain missions, they'll be like, the senator was assassinated. And they're like, ah, I assassinated them. That was me. <laughs> and I just love it. It's, it's not like a big detail. It's like really small and most people probably wouldn't notice, but I just love it. Whenever it happens, I just get so excited that I'm like, oh my God, they're talking about me. <laughs> That's what I did. Just love it. Uh, similarly, I like in games by, for example, Obsidian, uh, Fallout New Vegas, or The Outer Worlds, 
when you do some kind of quest, excuse me, that involves someone or references someone and either you side with a different person or come to a different outcome, you can then go back and talk to the other person, assuming they're still alive, and they will have something to say about mm. it. They will. They might even treat you differently. I'm not talking just sort of general morality systems and, oh, the this group of people will remember your decision. I mean, like, you asked me to go get this thing, and I may have gone about it in a weird way, or I might not have got it for you at all. And then you go back. You don't, you don't have to. The quest could be completed, for example, by mm. giving it to someone else. But you could still go and talk to them, and they wouldn't just treat you as if that quest hadn't mm. happened. They'd be they like, sure, still... it was nice of you to give that to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. I think details like that go a really long way. Similarly, like we were talking about in Weird News about Geordie's being in Final Fantasy VI, 16, I love an accurate accent mm-hmm. uh, with, yeah. with accurate slang and dialect. Mm-hmm. And it's even better if it's in a, a region of the, the game world or the game universe that makes sense where they all talk like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing worse than having someone talk in a strangled accent. WWE 2K23, for example has a prolific character who's meant to be English and he sounds Australian and it's awful. It's it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It's the most obvious, this person is not from the UK accent I've heard in recent It's memory. like um, Paladin Mike. Paladin Mike is awful, except Paladin Mike is actually voiced actually by someone, someone who is from English. England and it's just the worst accent I've ever heard. I don't yeah. know why it drives me up the wall. Anyway, that's, that those details go a long way with me. Um, I remember in particular the magazine I used to read at the time being absolutely blown away that in Uncharted Drake's Fortune, you could wander into a stream or a river and come out and there were wet marks up to to on your clothes where you were. Um, Or if you walked through That blew their minds. And you walked through paint and then you did footsteps. It's also what I've got here, except I put blood prints Ah. coming from a slightly different angle where you walk through blood or snow prints or Mm -hmm. walking on Mm -hmm. uh, Mm. sand. You know, you leave little footprints in there. I like accurate defamation of like mud and Mm. stuff and steep snow. Racing games as well for for the uh, Motorstorm specific rift was Mm. very good at that. Um, I love that sort of stuff. So yeah, just, just makes it all a bit more believable. Maybe not so much in the... From the perspective, I suppose, more so with the region-specific accents or dialects, like I've, I can't pretend to be enough of an expert in anything to notice something like the chamber having a round in it and that mm. and that being reflected in the ammo count. But certainly, I know when an English accent sounds wrong. And <laughs> case in point, this very week, games are still doing it wrong. And it's so obvious. And I just wish that it would uh, they'd do it better. I also remember... Um... In Halo 3, I used to watch um, uh, Rooster Teeth, or well, not Rooster Teeth, Let's Play, Achievement Hunter. They used to do um, a series called Fails of the Week, where they would show clips, like 10 clips from Halo 3. Um, And the good thing about Halo 3 is it had that system where you could watch back matches and stuff, but with a free cam, and take uh, footage and slow it down. And some of the stuff that, like, that engine will... It will simulate exactly what a bullet is doing to the point that the sniper rifle in particular has a lot of ricochet on it. And like uh, in when it, the bullets only traveled a short distance, it will bounce a lot. Um, mm. And sometimes you would have bullets that were like bouncing off the ground and then bouncing off like a grenade that had fallen out of a dead person's like it was falling to the ground because it just killed that person and the grenade had dropped out of their inventory and it would like ricochet off the grenade and like blow the grenade up or the bullet would hit someone stuff like that is amazing like if a game is actually 
working out bullet ricochets and stuff, mm. which even nowadays, a lot of games don't do that. Mm. They just, if you're aiming at a thing, you've got a hit, or if you've not, then you've not. But, you know, to actually say, well, the bullet has bounced off there and over there and set that grenade off, that's really impressive. And you don't see that a lot, unfortunately. Mm. Well, it's time. It's time. For something rather large. Yep. It's the big discussion. Oh. Big discussion time. It's time for the big video game discussion that this week comes courtesy of Mark Graham. Chief of his name. Thank you. Yeah. Who says, hi, Hi, BAP. Recently, more people are encountering issues with their Wii U consoles failing. Long term, this is going to make preservation of some games incredibly difficult as the likes of the Wii U are not easily emulated. Video games are culturally significant. Do you think more should be done to preserve them either by fans or creators? Thanks. I've got a little write-up here from The Verge about this recent uh, Wii U Epidemic, uh, that says thinking of dusting off your Wii U real quick before the eShop goes down forever so you can nab a digital copy of Wii Party while you still can well hopefully your Wii U is of sound health Wii U owners on forums and Reddit are finding that their systems aren't working anymore with errors many owners uh, suspect are linked to them hang on suspect are linked to leaving them sitting unused for a long period the issue seems to have come to light based on an account of a NeoGAF forums user, Cereza, whose friend booted up a Wii U system after a long while and got error code 160-0103 on the gamepad screen, which points to an issue with the onboard memory. Some Twitter users are also reporting the issue, and a similar error, error 160-2155, was also spotted by Reddit user Critical Hit Misses, who can't get to the download management app on their Wii U. Mm. So there's some strange stuff going on with the Wii U, which is very sad, obviously, but bigger discussion here. What's going to happen to all them games? Well, as Mark, Mark's question is, do you think more should be done to preserve them either by fans or creators? I think fans are probably doing all they bloody well can That's at the yes. moment. Right, uh, on the Wii U and on other consoles as well. I think more should be done by creators to even just facilitate fans being able to do all the work. I'm not expecting Nintendo to go through their catalogue and somehow provide, you know like specially preserved digital versions of all the games or anything like that. But just, you know, um, making software open source and like if there's any like hardware specs that are kind of secret or not well understood by a community, things like that should be uh, put out there. Uh, it's not... I've, I've seen... I remember seeing... I can't think what game it was, actually. I think some, someone submitted it for Weird News about a year ago. Uh, that someone had been on Twitter and said, um, oh, uh, hey, developer, um, just release the source code for this game from like the 1990s. You should do it because uh, we all want it and like we would be really happy. And then they just did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I think that's great that people should be able to just get in touch with developers. And I get that there's legal issues, unfortunately, with like just releasing source code. Um, that is essentially owned by publishers rather than developers in that sense. But um, yeah, I personally wish that Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Sega would all just provide what is required by the community to do all the hard work and preserve this stuff. Because there will come a time where literally every single Wii U no longer works and every single SNES no longer works. Um, and uh, it's a real shame because they are culturally significant. 
So um, that's what I think, Ashton. I agree with you that most preservation at this point, like eight out of 10 times is done by the fans Mm -hmm. of a game um, or a system. And I think that that is great. And I literally don't know what more fans can do about preservation because with the Wii U console situation, this is the actual console that's failing. It's not even necessarily the games, which is something that fans can do is protect the games by putting them on emulators or making them into ROMs, which obviously things like the Wii U and you know the 3ds for example is easier said than done um so there is ways of kind of like preserving games but in terms of the actual like hardware itself that's where like the issues lie in that these hardwares will eventually become too like you say too old to work um like we have a playstation one that we've just got back from like ben's parents house and we can't plug it into anything because we haven't got any tvs that will take the input um which is a an easy fix to you know do but eventually we'll get to a point where that those kind of fixes that are easy will become a lot harder and become basically impossible so the only way that i think a creative like a developer or a a company could actually like preserve these games is by creating a like not an emulator software because we've already seen that kind of thing with like the the mini what are they called the playstation mini things yeah yeah, yeah. the classic console um yeah. thank you yeah we've already seen them do that and it's gone down like a lead balloon but it would be good for these companies to come up with some kind of solution where you don't actually need a wii u to play these games because we have made this software where you can play your wii u games but you don't have to have a Wii U. And it's a shame because it's nice to have the actual physical console, but just because you have the physical console doesn't mean you're actually playing any games on it. I mean, amount of people have PlayStation 2s, but then emulate PlayStation 2 games. You know, you don't necessarily need to have one or the other, but it is nice to be able to have the option, I guess. But I think the only way it would be fixed is if the creators kind of put more stock into preservation and like the history of their own companies, which I just don't think that they do because they're so focused on what's coming next and Mm. the future of their company and the future of the games that a lot of them just don't really care because they don't need to because it's not making them any money. They'll just pop it on like, you know, Nintendo have got their NES and SNES service thing. I can't remember what it's called, where they've put a bunch of snares and, and NES games on there, but not every single game will eventually go on there and not every single Xbox game is on Game Pass and not every single PlayStation game is on PlayStation Plus Premium, for example. So they're putting a little bit more stock into it, but only after like begging and begging and begging from fans who who want to play these old games but can't. So mm. it's up to them, really. They're the only ones that can do anything about it, I think. The problem with emulator software is that it's not plug and play. Like mm. we know that we have... You can't just download the ISO. You can't even just put the disk in and run it on an emulator because sometimes, depending on your renderer that you're using or your, your various plugin settings, it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. So what I would love to see is to see Nintendo and Sony and, and everyone else like license out the rights to a company who are are permitted to make actual compatible hardware, like essentially recreate those old consoles in a way that if you put a disc in there or a cartridge, it will just play it because it's essentially the same hardware. Um, but there will be massive licensing issues with that. But I, I think that would be a great thing to see, mm. just an actual physical recreation. I think there's like a crazy one for Nintendo that's definitely 
I don't know about the legality of it, but mm. it's it's like a third party emulation device, basically. And it's just, it might be handheld. I remember seeing it at the time. It's got a huge slot on the top. So it it, it plays like N64 games, Game Boy cartridges and all mm. sorts of, right. like you just slot them in and then it plays them. Something like that would be great. Mm-hmm. Something like that would yeah. be really good. Uh, yeah, it's fans are doing enough. Players are doing more than enough. But uh, as as you guys are saying, emulators are are not plug and play. You, if you want to access this stuff, you have to have a PC, and then you have to have a knowledge of how to make these emulators work. And some are far more of a pain in the ass than yeah. others. Mm-hmm. They're all different. Um, stores being shut down obviously is not helping the digital stores. So Sony couple of years ago reversed the decision to shut down the vita and ps3 stores but they are far harder to access now you have to actually go via the console you can't access them through like a web browser store or anything uh it's the 27th of march for the wii u and the 3ds uh, to be shutting down their their stores so a lot of people now are booting up those devices and trying to buy anything that they want but frustratingly and this was the case with the vita as well because the, i i fell foul of this too when they were going to shut it down soon i was like oh god okay i should go buy some things that i want there were no sales at all Mm. and considering they're shutting down these stores forever Mm. why wouldn't you just have everything be 75 percent off they would sell so much more because Uh, they know that if you want a game this is your last chance to get it so they can hike the prices up. and this is part of the problem as well ashton is that these online services like game pass and playstation plus and their switch online things with the snes uh, n64 game boy stuff that they're drip feeding is done deliberately now to monetize it they are Mm. they have no interest in making it widely accessible because they're not going to make any money off it and they know that they can capitalism Yeah. And then you add to the the, the 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 heaping stack of issues here is that emulation isn't strictly legal. No. Uh you unless you're burning your own discs that you own, you're gonna potentially have a bit of an ethical dilemma on your hands. There are a, a few fantastic websites. I've uh, we're gonna make sure they're in the link dump, but just to read them out quickly, emulation.gametechwiki.com lists every emulator available for every piece of hardware that's ever existed and then has loads of checkboxes that tells you which is the best for doing certain things and mm. if it's up to date or if it's still experimental, that sort of stuff. And r-roms.github.io is in uh, sort of, I think it's Reddit's mega ROM extravaganza effort where rather than there are, there are dozens and dozens of ROM websites mm-hmm. and ISO websites, mm-hmm. and they full can be of bad ads. full of bad ads that take you to fake downloads. This is actually a proper website categorized A to Z for each platform, and it's all stored on archive.org, and it's all very reliable, and that's a, a, a brilliant resource that fans are building uh, because developers and publishers are not. And micro consoles and mini consoles are a half step that are again there to monetize things. And then there's all sorts of issues with licensing, especially with soundtracks and stuff. That means that even if they wanted to, publishers, developers, console manufacturers couldn't have like a legacy store filled with every game they've ever released. They just can't Mm -hmm. do it. But it doesn't mean that they couldn't do more. Yeah. And that's a shame. That's the problem with them monetizing this kind of stuff is that I, I would happily pay to just have PS1 games run on my PS5. Uh, and uh, but, but the problem is that, well, number one, if you're talking about Sony, it's you know almost non-existent anyway. But uh, even if it did work, like you say, they're not going to be able to put everything on there. Mm-hmm. So 
for them to say, oh, well, we're keeping it all back so that we can charge you for it. You can have my money if you can like actually provide the games that I want to play. But a lot of them just aren't ever going to be available because of licensing issues. Mm. So that's why the hardware needs to exist, I think. Yes. And uh, as you say, more and more of these consoles are dying. And mm -hmm. there will be a point where, where none of them work. We're, that's still a while away, but there is going to reach a point where the only way to play these games is to have a console that works and buy some kind of adapter to, to plug it into, you know, whatever the, the conventional TV port is at the time, uh, emulate, potentially against the law, and uh, or, or, or be subservient to these storefronts that either won't exist or will not offer what you want, mm. or will not play it like, or let you play it like you want, you know, with a modern controller or whatever. We're also going to reach a point, and I think very soon, where you won't be able to play disc games because the games that you have on your disc, you won't be able to update or get the, like, you know, upgrades to playable. Because a lot of games that you get on the disc, mm. they come out and it's a day one patch because they have to fix a bunch of stuff. Mm, yeah. And you're eventually going to have to start playing these games completely unpatched without a single, like, iota of dev help because they've just, this is how it comes and you have to play that. Whereas, yeah. obviously, like, older games... You didn't have that. It had to come ready, but... It's going to create a whole new headache where people are trying to identify the different printed versions of the discs. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this one came out... This If it's got this tiny code on the back of the box, that means it's from six months later. So that's, that's the one, the one you, you want to buy. Because yeah. yeah. otherwise it will just crash every time you try to apply a new shirt mm. in the character customization or whatever. Anyway... That's a fun nightmare that continues. Uh, why don't you go and watch the What Went Wrong with the PlayStation Classic where Philip touches quite a lot on uh, micro consoles, obviously, and also uh, the issues with uh, video game preservation and, and such. It's a great video on our channel. Go see it now. Mm. You can find them on youtube.com forward slash team triple jump. Nice one, Peter. Thanks. Uh, and we're also on twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump on both Twitch and YouTube. We do streams. Um, and when we're streaming, we are modded by Lord Rotovich, Trailing Badger and Mr. Black. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you're already paying for a free Twitch sub. Did you know that? You can spend it on us. It's Did, no you? Cost. Did you know that? Did, Did you, know you know that? it? It's in the bundle. Uh, there's also twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. You can go to both of those for legacy video content, video and live stream announcements, uh, bits of news, highlights of the week from Twitch, loads of stuff posted by Fraser. Thank you, Fraser. Uh, TikTok.com forward slash at Team Triple Jump for our TikTok where Ashton is ticking and sometimes talking. Mm. And Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Loads of tiers available there with loads of different rewards. So go and have a look at them and decide which one works for you. Mm. I made a Peter Austin fan cam last week, so you can go and watch that if you want to. What? What's the fan cam? It's like an edit. Oh my God, you. I didn't know this. It's not really a fan cam. Whoa. It was just, uh, but someone it's was like, oh my cam. God, I love a Peter Austin fan cam. And it wasn't a fan cam, but it made me laugh that that is kind of true. But what is a fan like, It's basically, you know when you see like on oh, Twitter, see on Twitter where yeah. they'll be like, Oh, but I love this tweet. And then underneath, there'll be like a full video of like a K-pop star where it's got like edits and With, like, like music underneath. And music. I've seen those. That's not what I made of you. Okay. <laughs> that's what's I, I am so lost. I have no idea what this is. You don't this know is what a fan cam is. No, I feel like I've completely it's missed not even this trend. A, it, it's, I mean... It's I, a, like a, a part of stan culture is okay. like you make like edits of P 
people or like characters or like musicians that your fans are. You have to send me an example. You'll see a tweet of like some character, a scene from an episode of something that's just gone out. Uh And then like the the top reply will be from someone whose Twitter account is called like Peter's number one fan or Pedro Pascal Stan. And they'll reply like, oh, I really love this episode. But then like attached to every single one of their tweets is just like an edit that they've made of like Pedro Pascal. Of like him just like doing stuff. Being handsome and stuff. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe I've seen maybe, like filters. And I'll show you one after we've okay. done Okay, it's gonna upset me, isn't it? Yeah, probably. And it's gonna really make me. But cross. I did not make a a like fit no. fan cam of you, Peter. That's I can if you want, but <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a website. It's triple j dot mup triple j u dot mp. It spells jump. It's very clever. If you want to join our Discord, you go triple j dot mup forward slash Discord. Chat with our wonderful community on Discord. We're modded by Jack, Joe, Tori, and Hollowise. If they do something. Bloody well do it, all don't, right? Don't be weird, guys. Don't be weird. Behave yourselves. Um, if you listen to the podcast in its audio forms, you go to triplej.mup forward slash podcast. To check out any of our live stream VODs, go to triplej.mup forward slash VODs. To book a cameo from any of us three and James Jenkins, go to triplej.mup forward slash cameo. And lastly, if you want to buy some sick and cool merch like this, like this, like this. Not, not that not shirt, that though. There. You can go to triplejumpshop.com and make sure you're following at triplejumpshop on Twitter for the latest merch announcements. Yeah, loads of amazing logo merch on there. It's still chilly out. Get yourself a nice big moog. Get yourself an... Hood. Hat. And hat. And hat. And hat away. And also an hoodie. Yes. Mm. Stay scorfs. Warm. Are the scorfs still available? Yeah, I think the sports time scorfs are out there, <laughs> as well as the troc jockets. We've got to stop that. <laughs> Uh, why not follow Peter and Ashton on Twitter and Instagram at that Peter Austin and at Scrambled Ashton and myself just on Twitter at Confused underscore Dude. We do lists every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday being the joint stream. Blaze it. On YouTube, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Instead of being solo streams on Twitch. We might be looking to change that up next month. Just an advance warning. Mm. I know most of you have tuned out now because we're doing the outro. Give a little taster. But uh, yeah, potentially we may be doing some joint streams on Twitch for a little while, just mm-hmm. to see how that goes. Mm. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. We do the podcast every Saturday and we do the shows all the flipping time, including a brand new, not a brand new, including a brand new episode of one this very week, which I'll get to in a second. Yes. Why not leave a five-star review on... Your platform of choice, it helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Thank you very much to all of you who've left nice reviews. Those of you who haven't, we're talking to you right now. Go and do it, please. It'll just take a second. Even if you just do five stars and just type the word, good, 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 good. Yeah. What came out this week? Main menu. It's back. It's um, it's a delicious sweet treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, a breakfast sweet treat. A breakfast sweet tw- tweet. And there is a, a an almost disaster that mm-hmm. happens in it. It must be watched. I think it's, it's very good. See. It an is unnatural disaster. Yeah. It's out now at time of release, so mm. check it out on channel. Maybe everyone should watch it because um, it doesn't get as many views as everything else. But I think it's one of the best shows, so you should yeah. go watch it. And everyone who loves it, everyone who watches it loves it, and yeah. everyone who loves it watches it. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> that's kind of the issue. Tell tell people about it. Everyone tell your friends about it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this week, boys, it was the worst games ever week, isn't it? Yeah, sure yeah. is. So if you're a patron, you would have seen the video already. But was Worst Games Week, what was it? It was Doctor Whom and the Eternity Clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, about time we played one of them. About time. Oh, <laughs> did you mean to do that? Oh, 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 bloody hell. Oh, did it. Did we to do that? Yeah, it's out now. No, it's not. It's out now for patrons, as Ashton said, Sunday. Yes, tomorrow for everyone, everyone else. else. Mm-hmm. 
go check it out. Ashton, you got a sponsor? I do, yeah. It's from Hit Game. It's coming out next week. I hope it's a hit game. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, it's coming out next week. It's, of course, Chia Pet. To Chia Pets. Neopets, yeah. To Chio Pets. To Chio Pets. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for watching slash listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.